0: or podcast coming with episode 383 steve Smith here and the rickster what's going on man
1: hey what's up steve what's up guys how's everybody doing out there
0: all right guys so we have four great topics coming your way and the fifth one's gonna be a story time about rick's home home country so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have
1: <laughs> this ought to be good <laughs> i think i, I think heard it'll the be story good. yet by the way but i i can't wait
0: i think rick probably knows about the story But because he knew he knew about the La Llorona story, so he might know about this one. But we'll get to that last guys. But first, we're gonna talk about steroid. The first question. This is a good one, Um, and I'm curious to hear Rick's opinion on this. This guy's on week 15 of a 20 week cycle. He says, "What advice can you give me for best recovery?" And by the way, he said he was running test and Deca. So that's a pretty common. Bulking cycle, tests and DECA, nothing really imaginative about it, but 15 week of a 20 week cycle. So I'm curious to hear Rick, you know, how this compares to back in the day, back in the 90s, when he was active on the forums and he was working on, uh, on forums as an administrator. But, you know, when you run a, um, a quote unquote cycle, I don't even consider that a cycle. I consider that just being on like more than half the year. Because like you put yourself
1: oh, you, on TRT, basically,
0: I mean, look, 20 weeks, let's say you're doing 20 weeks of a long ester, that could throw a long time, add the, the ester to that because that has a 15 day half life, multiply that by five because the half life is going to take five, it's going to take multiply that by five. That's how long it's going to take to be out of your system. So 15 times five, that's that's times two is 30, 60, 75, 75 days after. That's like, you know, that's ridiculous. So you're on basically more than half the year. This isn't a cycle. This is just being on. So I don't even consider that a cycle. So don't call it a cycle. That's just you being on a long ass time. That's the danger that you're running into. And we know, I've seen enough blood work to know the longer you're on steroids, the harder it's going to be to recover. That's just how it is because your body forgets how to produce its own hormones. So when you're on these strong hormones, your body has no reason to produce them anymore. So your body shuts down, your pituitary glands go dormant. So the longer they're dormant, the longer they're going to forget to come back and they're going to struggle to come back. So the recovery is going to be really, really tough. So you run the risk on a really rough recovery and like losing all your gains. And this happens a lot. How many guys do you know at the gym that you see them two months, they're looking all jacked and buff and then two months after that it's like, what happened? It's like you lost They,
1: they go from everything. buff to fluff. They go from buff
0: to yeah, fluff. no It
1: happens matter all the, the time.
0: Yep. It's because they're not doing this correctly. Really, I tell guys all the time, we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. You guys come back and listen to it. Really good idea to stop your cycle at 10 or 12 weeks, really 10 weeks. And then a lot of guys say, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. You're running a long S You need to run it longer No, because you know, you Rome wasn't a bill overnight. It's not like you're going to run one cycle and be good to go and be ready to go on Mr. Olympia stage. No, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you, you want to save gains for the future. It's like getting a Lamborghini as your first car. It's just buffoonery. So, why would you shut yourself down? You're not getting more gains that way. You're actually hurting your gains long term. So, to me, it makes more sense to keep cycles shorter, recover properly, and then later on, you're going to run another cycle, recover properly back and forth rather than just running a one long steroid run. I'm not going to call it a cycle because it's not a cycle, it's just a long run, and then shutting yourself down for like six months it doesn't make any sense to me. So, What ends up happening is guys do this and like Rick said, they just go on TRT for life. And that's not what we want. We want to cycle. We want to cycle. So my advice is you're at week 15, stop, just stop right now, come off. And then two weeks later, three weeks later, you want to start your PCT and recover because 15 weeks is the maximum you want to go. That's the maximum. Don't go any longer you're already in the danger zone. Once you're past 12 weeks, you are in the danger zone and it's gonna be very hard to recover. Now, some of you might be listening to this and be like, oh, Steve, you know, I recovered fine, I ran 20 weeks, I recovered fine. Some of you may recover fine. Some of you, maybe 5% or 10% of you may recover fine after going that long, but the vast majority of you will not. The vast majority of you can even run a 10 week cycle and have a really hard time recovering. So you want to make sure you're doing this a smart way. Rick, uh, what do you have to say on this?
1: To be going this long, you're either on, on TRT already, and then you shouldn't be worried about recovery. Or, you know, maybe you got a shot at the pro levels and making a life out of this, and your coach is keeping you on. And then you're going to be on the sauce for a long time, so why even worry about it? But if you're a regular guy, you know, Bob going to the office, and you're on for 20 weeks. Jeez, what are, you, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? It's just too long. It's, it's same with, with these high dosages, all, all this stuff. Look, you'll, you'll make better gains doing, and, and more keepable gains, doing two cycles for 10 weeks apiece, a few months apart, than you would doing 20-week stretch. Same thing, a, a cycle, You'll you'll... You'll make better gains, longer lasting gains. If you do two cycles, maybe 750 mgs of stuff each, instead of doing one big cycle, a gram and a half, 1,500. You know, just space it out. This thing's a marathon, a marathon, not a sprint. And yeah, I mean, look, if you've if you got that much money and that much, so- and that much uh, sauce, just break it up. Two 10-week two, cycles, 10 weeks, Get off recover. Boom. And then a couple of months later, three, four months down the line, hit the other ten weeks. It's much better, much smarter way to do it. Longer lasting gains. You will give your body a chance to recover and, and you're still you're still on 20 weeks out of the year. What what do you think, Steve?
0: That's the way I teach it. I mean, 10, 12 weeks max, come off. It's gonna take four or five weeks for the esters to get out of your system. You're gonna be in PCT. You run a nice eight, six to eight week PCT.
1: Steve, you, you would agree, you would agree yep. that uh, dosing being the same, you could keep more long-term uh, progress doing two 10-week cycles than doing a long 20-week one. Would you agree on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, all things being ankle, of course, because you're, you're conserving your own body. Your body produces hormones on its own. Why would you throw that in the trash? And screw your bodies and doctor's. You have system. to be high,
1: high level pro and have a, actually have a chance to really decide to just put yourself on TRT like that. You, you've got to be doing something worthwhile. But just to show up at the office every day looking jacked, you'll put yourself on TRT to show up at the job looking brolic. It's kind of silly to me.
0: All right, so the next one is kind of leading into this. How often should I do blood work if I'm doing two cycles a year? So piggybacking on what we just talked about, let's say you do two 10 to 12 week cycles per year. That would mean you're on steroids probably six or seven months out of the year if you count the esters. Approximately six, seven months out of the year. So half on, half off. That's pretty much where you want to be. So my recommendation You wanna run blood work obviously before you run a steroid cycle because you need to see if there's anything off. You need to flag anything going on. And if things are clean, if everything's good, then you can go ahead and run your cycle. Then during cycle, if something goes wrong, now let's say you're getting estrogen problems. You don't know what the heck is going on. You're doing everything right, but something's off maybe the gear doesn't seem like legit, then on cycle, you can go ahead and run blood work just to see if there's anything off, if the, if the some blood work can, can be an indicator if you have fake gear or underdose gear. So that would be the situation run during cycle. And then after cycle, you wanna make sure that you are waiting about three, four weeks from the time you finished PCT to see where you're at in your recovery. You should notice three, four weeks after you finish PCT, you should notice your LH and your FSH and your total testosterone kind of coming back. Things are coming back. They're not fully back, but they're coming back. When you're on cycle, your LH and FSH, you're gonna to drop to zero. Completely normal, that means your pituitary and glands are no longer producing those hormones. So then three, four weeks after your PCT is done, you should see your LH and FSH bouncing. Maybe it's in the twos, the threes, maybe even the fours. And you're like, damn, yeah, it's starting to come back. That's good. Your engine's revving back up. You're going. You're not fully recovered yet, but you're on the road to recovery. And then like four to six weeks after that, you can run blood work again and see, wow, my LH bounced. It was at two or three, four weeks ago. Now it's up to five, six. And my total testosterone went back to where it was before i ran my cycle. So yes, I'm good to go now. Now it's safe for me to start researching on my next cycle. That's the way it's done. That's the way you use blood work to your advantage. So that's, that's my opinion on how to use blood work, guys. So really, if you go on Evolution.org, I'm going to include a link in the, in the uh, podcast notes. I'm going to include a link where you can get blood work. It's very, very important to get blood work. You don't have to go to the doctor to get blood work done. You can order it online. I tell you exactly what to do. Just check out that link. You can literally get it done for under 70 bucks and you get the results within one or two days. You don't have to go keep going to the doctor and dealing with that bureaucracy. Okay. You just do it on your own and you're good to go. But if you do have good insurance and you have a good doctor that you're working with, you can also look at the link and it'll tell you which to get, which to request from your doctor because your doctor is not going to understand what you need because you're running anabolic steroids, especially if you're not telling him you're running anabolic steroids, which a lot of you are not going to do in the end. So, but in that situation, check that, check out the article I'm linking. It's going to tell you what to get this way. You can tell him, Hey, listen, Dr. Dr. um, You know, uh, whatever, Dr. Johnson, this is, this is what I need to get. I need to get my LH done, my FSH done, my total testosterone done, my stradial done. I, I need my total cholesterol. I need this, I need that, I need this, that. And he will be able to order it for you. You can go get it if you, if you have good insurance. But if you don't have good insurance or you just want to cut through the, cut to the chase and get it on your own, you can do it on your own, but very, very important to get blood work done at least before you start your cycle. And then after a month or two, after you're done with your PCT at the minimum, at the minimum, anything else to add Rick?
1: I think you nailed it as far as blood work goes, man. It's yeah. good.
0: How does it work? Uh, how does it work in New York? Because you guys don't have, you guys, it's harder for you guys to get the blood work done. If you live in certain states, it's harder to get blood work done independently. So how what would you? What do you do in your? Well, situation?
1: I'm, I'm I'm just back in in why now and usually I, I since I travel a lot of the country a lot I uh, there are places where you can just show up at the lab yourself. You don't even need to have a doctor's uh, note and uh just get it and now i'm and when i was in vegas it wasn't an issue didn't didn't seem that hard to me and now i'm back in a while i'm gonna get get blood work here the next month or so and i'll, I'll come back and report you guys what the status is of it today Nowadays.
0: yeah make sure you get the std tested too make sure you post that we want to see what's uh what's going on there all right guys <laughs> <laughs> you're in vegas so we know what happens in vegas right what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas.
1: <laughs> You're a huh? Funny guy. You're a funny guy. Huh? You like that? Right, got- catch me off guard. Good, good, good,
0: good. All right, this, is, this one is for you. This next one is for you, Rick. Youngest age for SARMs. I don't think we've ever talked about this. We talk about the youngest age for steroids, but we've never talked the youngest age for SARMs. So what's your opinion on this?
1: I think you have to at least... Uh, be mature enough to understand that you're taking a chance with SARMs. Uh, SARMs have majority of them, all of them, the ones that we're using haven't been properly approved for human use. And they've been around less than a decade. Steroids that we use like oh, your Anovar, your Winstrol, testosterone, androlone, all this stuff at some point was approved for human use and the history behind it is since the sixties 70s guys have been using all, all these steroids so I think as long as you're you're mature enough to understand that and understand the risks and you are at least old enough to drink right or l- at least 21 um, you you should uh you should be able to make a good decision on it but look if you don't understand that fully what i just explained and you shouldn't use it you shouldn't use anything all right just just stay natty because the responsibility you're taking on yourself and on what could happen later is you know significant you gotta you gotta know gotta know what it is you're doing here
0: yeah so here's here's the thing with with SARMs um and i've looked at blood work over the years from SARMs That's really cool is that they're very minimally suppressive. And so that's a good thing when you're young, because what happens is a lot of younger guys have to understand the way your bodies work because you guys are so obsessed now with testosterone levels and it's not your fault. It's just that you're getting bad information because when you're young, your testosterone levels aren't high necessarily your testosterone, your hormones are changing. There's a difference. There's a difference. You're breaking out. You've got a li- very strong libido. Things are happening in your body where it's, things are changing, but that's different than having high testosterone levels. So the worst thing you can do as a young, young person is obsess over testosterone levels. Oh my God, my testosterone levels are only 500. I, I got to go on TRT the rest of my life. your, your, your testosterone levels don't necessarily peak. Until your mid to late 20s in some cases, even the early 30s, I've seen. So if you're 20 years old and you're like, oh, my God, my testosterone levels are low. You know, you're you're driving yourself crazy when you have that mentality. So my view on this is, look, SARMs are minimally suppressive. That's good. Okay, that's good. They're not going to screw you up. You're going to recover much quicker. We talked about in the first topic, Rick, 20-week cycle of steroids. If you want a 20-week cycle of steroids, it's going to probably take you nine months to fully recover from that. If things go good, it'll take you like nine months. SARMs, if you run SARMs for eight to 12 weeks like you're supposed to, you will recover in about four to five weeks. Very, very quick because they don't suppress you like other things. Now I've seen some, the the thing that I have seen with SARMs, if you stack them, they do have an effect on the liver they do have effect on your cholesterol. Why is that? Well, anything you put in your body is going to have an effect on the liver because your liver has to cleanse it out, right? Same thing with cholesterol. Cholesterol is your balancing. It's it, it's it's something in your body that ca- creates a balance. So if you're putting some a foreign thing in your body, it's going to screw up your cholesterol, right? So I've seen guys stack 3 four arms and have cholesterol levels off, and I've seen liver values off. So those are the two things you have to worry about when you're young, okay? Those are the things that can affect your health. But when it far as suppression, you're not really going to have the same suppression as you would anabolic steroids. So really, I think if you're 21, 22, 23 years old, that would be the age earliest that I'd recommend messing, messing around with SARMs. But yeah, you don't need to use these PEDs at at a younger age than that because you haven't put in the hours yet, okay? As an adult, your body hasn't fully matured yet. Your testosterone levels haven't peaked yet. So you don't need to start messing with PEDs at such a young age. So this is one of the things, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that you have to do your own homework and you have to make your own decision. It's just like younger guys, they come to me, Rick, and they want to know, football. They want to play football. They want to play high school football. They're asking for my advice. And I tell them, look, when I was your age, we didn't know about CTE. We didn't know about the brain damage of what happens when you're playing football. Every time the ball snaps and you ram yourself into another person, you're scrambling your brain. We didn't know that when I was your age. I says, I tell the person, I was like, look, now we know You can go on Google, you can do your own research and you can make your own decision if you want to play football. Same thing with SARMs. You go and you research it and you make your own decision and you think it through, you know, and then that's going to be that's going to be your decision on what to make. But at the end of the day, it boils down to economics. You're going to spend a few hundred dollars on a SARM cycle on PCT when you can't even pay your rent, when you're still living with your parents, when you're eating uh, romaine noodles for dinner because you're a college student and, you know, you have 10 bucks in your pocket and you're going to go spend hundreds of dollars. It doesn't make any sense to me, but maybe it makes sense to you. Maybe that is more important. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. So at the end of the day, you do your own research and you make a decision. Rick, you have kids. I'm sure, you know, they're asking you about this stuff. I'm sure you can give them, you know, the same advice. I'm sure they ask you, Hey, yeah, I want to play football, you, you know, So finish up and tell us, you know, your advice to these kids.
1: Look, any kid wanted to do sports, uh, you spent your money and resources a lot better going to a sports psychologist than putting any kind of compounds into your body. Really uh, becoming someone in sports nowadays, a lot of it has to do with your mentality, what's in your brain, because you know, the the drugs, is so easy to get caught nowadays. It's probably not the best way to go. But if you got the mentality and you got the work ethic and you don't give up, you get run a better chance of being a high level athlete than than anyone pumping any kind of compounds. So that's that's what I tell my kids about about all this stuff, dude. Really when it comes down to it, the difference between being a champion and not a lot of it has to do that just comes down to mentality and work ethic and not not just physical prowess.
0: So next one is losing motivation after contests or competitions. So I've done competitions over the years, powerlifting competitions, endurance and it's true you know you you work so hard ahead of it you bust your ass and then it happens. That's the climax. And afterwards you kind of take a step back. You're like, what do I do now? Like, I just did it. It's over. I'm now I got no motivation. So I, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I said, um, actually the last podcast we talked about, I mentioned at the end of the podcast, I go do a log. That is my number one advice is Start a log on the forum, post a picture, post your stats, set a goal, and then follow up on that log every day. You know, one of the interesting things, if you go to these addiction facilities, and that's one of the tricks they do, is they'll give you a paper and pencil every morning. That's the first thing you do while you're drinking your coffee or doing your morning routine, is you write. You write down. You write down how you feel. You write down your emotions. You write down your goals for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. This is what very, very important to do that because if you can write it down and visualize it, it I think it pays off. And if you do the log, people can motivate you. People can push you. It's just like doing a group class. You do you do a boot camp, or you CrossFit, or you run. You go running. In a group, you've got people to chase, you got people to pace with. It's not like at home having to work out. Like during the pandemic, I try to work out at home. I miss the environment of the gym. I miss the environment of talking, you know, to other people and shooting the shit with them. I miss the, the motivation, the hot chicks in those tight pants. You go to the gym, you see them, they motivate you you motivate them, the meatheads, you know, going around meatheads and lifting, you try to outlift them. That's it's motivation, that type of motivation. That's what you need. So, you know, that's what I think, that's what I think you have to do after I think it's good though, to take a step back. I'm curious to see what your opinion is, Rick, Cause you, you compete in MMA and stuff like that. What your opinion is on this, but I think it's good to feel that way. It's good to take a kind of step back and then kind of, regroup your mind and then say, you know what? What's my next goal? What do, I want to, what do I want to do next? You hear about these stories of these adventurers. They travel the world, they climb mountains. They want to climb a bigger and bigger mountain each time. They'll climb the mountain and then they're done. And then they want to climb the next one. They want to keep going. And then one day they break their foot, they break their leg, climb the mountain. And then what do they do? For six months, they rehab. And then after six months, guess what they're doing? They're right back on it. Same thing with surfers. You hear stories of surfers they go surfing, and they get bitten by a shark, and then two months later, they're right back after they're, you know, they get their tendon reattached. <laughs> two months later, right back surfing again. So it's the same mentality, guys. It's all about it's all it's all about pushing yourself and kind of striving for your, for your next goal. So I'll bring in Rick on this. Rick, what's your uh, advice on this one?
1: It's just normal for your your attitude your, your to be in peak states and then be in low states and go back to peak states during uh, the time that you have to perform. It's actually very common.
0: Yeah, so... It, it's,
1: one of the, it's one of the things that you uh, try to uh, make sure to plan for when you're going into competition is to plan to be competing at a time when you're a peak state. And if you consider the fact that all of our feelings... Are basically chemicals in our brain hitting receptors in our brain then it's it's fine to to reach a, a peak state during competition and then be in a bit of a low because your your receptors have to have to clear out from all of those from all of those feelings it's 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 actually not um not a bad thing you can't just be up 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 for the game all the time you you have to be have some lows and make sure that they're not too, too bad where they bring you down or they, or they break you completely, but you know, dealing with some lows, uh, it's part of uh, a, part of just the way your brain works and the way performance and and your attitude just kind of cycles.
0: All right, guys. Yeah. So definitely at the end of the day, guys, a log, come on our forms, or post a log and we can kind of help you along. And if you, you, it really does help doing doing the long thing. So last one, we talk about story time. We're gonna talk about a story. So I watched a show. There's this guy from Britain. He went to Colombia, to the jungles of Colombia, and guess what he was looking for, Rick? What's in the jungles of Colombia? The most beautiful thing in the world.
1: The jungle itself.
0: No, he's looking for something specific in the jungle.
1: Oh, La Llorona? What is he looking for? I don't no, know. no.
0: <laughs> orchids.
1: All right. He's looking for orchids. All right.
0: Yeah, I never knew that. So Colombia ha- apparently are where orch- orchids are from. Like the they have the best orchids in the world. So this oh, guy wow. like travels all the way from Britain. So he's he's getting, a, he gets a guide and the guides put, you know, put on through the jungle and stuff. So he's hiking in Northern Colombia uh, near the Panama border and they warn them. The Rangers there is like warning. I'm like, dude, we cannot be responsible for you going there because there's a bunch of, there's rebels, there's kidnappers, all kinds of stuff. They'll and kidnap- he's in
1: the jungle looking for some wild orchid in the jungle. Huh? He's in the jungle looking for some wild orchid. Yeah,
0: he's a, he's basically a, a like a orchid. Um, he's like a orchid nut nut job. He loves orchid.
1: Aficionado. Kind of I guess
0: I guess he wanted to take pictures of them You know and see them in the wild But they, they warned them they're Like dude like you know There's a high chance you know That you're going to run into someone bad in the jungle And we can't be responsible for this But if you want to go we can't stop you So he's like you know He's a young guy you know he's like yeah I'm going to go So he ends up going the guy takes him to the jungle He finds all these beautiful work and he's like taking pictures of them and all this shit And then like Suddenly like these guys jump out you know out of trees and stuff with fucking guns pointed at him so then they take this guide away and they grab him and then they they take him hike him through the jungle to their you know to their place and then he's stuck there and they basically tell him like you're going to write a letter to your family you're going to tell them that they need to pay 15 million dollars or they're never going to see you again we're going to just kill you in here in the jungle so he writes them a letter, or whatever, and they take it and they send it off. They're like, okay, you know, if your family doesn't pay you, uh, doesn't pay the money, we're just going to fucking kill you. You know, so he's waiting weeks and months and years. He's literally kidnapped for like three years in the jungle. And they hike him from place to place in the jungle and stuff. He's living basically in a cage. They put him in a cage. <clears throat> and then one day, like, I guess the big boss shows up. And the big boss is like yelling at them and stuff, and he's like, "Oh shit! Like something's happening here." So then, basically, they tell him they're like, "Okay, so tomorrow your family never paid. It's been three years. We're just gonna fucking kill you tomorrow." So the next, so the next day, guess what happens? Guess you ever heard this story? You no. ever heard of this story? Uh, no. So one, so the next day they open the cage and they tell him they're like all right, go, get out of here. And he's like, okay. He's like, I don't know if this is a trick. I don't know if I'm going to start walking. They're going to shoot me in the back. So he starts walking. He's walking through the jungle away from them. So he gets to this point in the jungle where the trail goes either right or left. So he's like trying to decide, should I go right or should I go left? (laughs) So he ends up going left. (laughs) he goes and he's hiking through the jungle three days later hiking through the jungle he has no fucking clue where he is he's like in the middle of the fucking jungle bro and he's like i don't know where the fuck i am i don't know what to do here so he's like i can either keep hiking through the jungle and die in the jungle or i can turn back around and go back to them so he turns around and he walks back towards them. Three days later, he gets back to them and they come out with fucking guns in his face. Like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? And He's like, dude, it's me. Remember me from six days ago? And they're like, what are you doing here? We don't want you here. Get out of here. And he's like, dude, I'm lost. Like, I don't know where the fuck I am. And then they're like, you know, they're like, okay. They're like, they're like what, what are you talking about? You're lost. Go back where you, you know, go back the other direction. And he's like, "Why? Well, I went left. Was I supposed to go right? They're like, no, no, no. Go back and go right. So he goes back. The two days later he gets to the same trail and he turns right and it takes him to a ranger station. So he gets to the ranger station, he goes in there, and they're like, you know, who the hell are you? They're like, Oh, I'm that British guy that I've been kidnapped for three years. And then they start laughing, they're like, No, no, that's impossible. Like, there's no way you're that person. We know we know who you are, but there's no way that you're that person. So he confirms who he is. And are out his family had sent like fucking people and spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to track them down in Colombia the whole fucking time for three years <laughs> they end up putting them on a plane back to fucking britain so at the end of the day like all that for fucking just to take pictures of orchids so i don't know i thought that was interesting why do you think they just fucking let them go like that after three years
1: that's a good question i'd have to uh...
0: dude i swear to god it was a true story but the funniest part of the story was when he went back to them He's like lost in the jungle. And he turned
1: Oh, you would right too. Now. Oh, you would too. He was getting, uh, he was getting a little bit of food every day at least, and and all of a sudden you're lost in the jungle. And contrary to what a lot of people think, there isn't a ton of food in the jungle everywhere. Like there isn't.
0: Yeah. You've
1: either got to be really good at, at trapping some animals, and he's got like no tools. He's like bear yeah. he's got is figuring you gotta eat
0: bugs very much you gotta eat bugs a lot of um,
1: yeah. you can't eat every bug you poison yourself yeah. b- bugs and mo- most most plants are poisonous and most bugs are, are going to give you an upset stomach at least so yeah no, it's, it's uh there isn't a ton of food in the jungle everywhere yeah.
0: and it turns out those letters he was writing to his family for the ransom never even got to them so you they were could, taking the letters and like not even sending them. It was so, it was a, and they never found out who kidnapped him. It was. Even
1: you if you're lucky enough to find a, a tree with coconuts in the jungle somewhere near, near water, you know how hard it's going to be to get up there, grab a coconut and then to open that shit to where you can eat it with your bare hands.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's oh. you need like a sharp rock oh, or something. Yeah, geez. It's very
1: hard. So. Yeah. You hurt yourself in the process. So yeah, you, you'd go back. Say hey, feed me. What the fuck? And um, yeah, it's, that's a, it's a, it's a crazy story. Why would they let yeah. him go out? I, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, it could have I, a, a whole a whole, a whole bunch of different explanations. But
0: like one of the things he he figured was he was annoying the shit out of them the whole time talking about orchids because that's all he would talk about. He's like obsessed with fucking orchids. So they got so annoyed with him that they're like, yeah, "Oh, they
1: dude, I, I get I get kidnapped for three years for taking pictures of orchids. I, I would hate fucking orchids after that."
0: Yeah, but yeah, but dude, it was interesting because I never knew that orchids were from from Colombia. There's this one little spot in northern Colombia that had the best orchids in the world. I never knew that. So I don't know. I don't know if you've or- ever. Uh, orchids
1: are beautiful. Most well, good flowers in Colombia that I've always known?
0: Yeah, yeah, man. So. All right, guys, that was it, guys. That was actually a, um, a show uh, called Locked Up Abroad, if you guys want to look into that. Uh, I don't know what season it was, but I think it was like season four, five, or six, one of those seasons. But, dude, there's a lot of Locked Up Abroad's from Colombia. You guys, you guys are good at kidnapping, that's for sure. There's a lot of, a lot of kidnapping going on there over the years.
1: You, 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 I, I, don't, I don't really mind the comments, but you're going to get the show canceled, probably. Huh? You're gonna get us canceled. You're gonna get us canceled, culture, for saying things like
0: that. What do you mean? I'm just telling you the show. That's the show. But dude, yeah, dude, it was fucking dude. One day, dude, I'm going to Colombia. I want to see those fucking orchids, bro. I want to see. I want to see if it's worth it. I want to see if it's fucking worth
1: it to get kidnapped. Man, I'll, I'll meet you there, bro. We'll, we'll hang out. I'm not going. We'll go, we'll I, go I, I don't mountain go, biking. I don't go anywhere near the jungle. Mountain biking is nice. You're just in the in the dense forest. It's not a jungle just yet. But I don't go in anywhere near the jungle. Fuck
0: that. Dude, the bugs will eat you alive, bro. The bugs bugs will kill you. Fuck, so. the,
1: bu- fuck the bugs. I mean, you, they're places where you just don't go. The bugs are the least of your worries. Yeah,
0: I guess he learned the hard way on that one, guys. All right, guys. So this is number three eighty-three Q and A. Keep the questions coming. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one,
1: guys.